decide as a dev tool practitioner whether the company you're working for is going to be part of a dev's identity or is it going to be just a tool they use that they're going to use it and then hopefully forget about it for a while until they move on to the next project or the next company. I think that's a crucial discussion to have in the dev world context. Hey everyone, you're listening to Scaling DevTools, the show that investigates how DevTools go from zero to one. I'm joined today by Dan Moore, who is the head of DevRel at Fusion Auth, which is an Auth provider, kind of a similar, but hopefully a lot better than uh, Auth Zero. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, thanks so much for joining, Dan. Thank you for having me, Jack. Um, Dan, I was kind of shocked that you are bootstrapped. I, um, I was dumbfounded when I realized, uh, as we spoke, could you tell us a bit about Fusion Auth and about um, the journey? Yeah, so Fusion Auth started, uh, as the, the company started years and years ago, um, I want to say in that about 2006, 2007, when the founder built actually a different tool called CleanSpeak, which is a content moderation and profanity filtering tool. And they were really focused on a couple of sectors. Gaming was one of them. And they realized that everybody they talked to also needed a user management system. And so they extracted it out of um, CleanSpeak, essentially, and built a dev tool that is authentication and authorization that is focused on a much bigger market than content moderation. And we're able to use some of the profits and some of the revenue from the previous tool to bootstrap. So it is a private company and wholly owned by um, the founder. That is amazing. And I wouldn't have put those kind of like to go from moderation to auth. Yeah. Um, well, to be fair, they actually tried to do a forum software too, like in between. So they went content moderation, then forum. And then they were like, no one's using our forum, but people seem to need this like user management piece. So, Oh, that's so cool. I, I love those stories. Um, and kind of how is, uh, how is Fusion Auth kind of evolved into what it is today? Yeah. So they actually picked a horrible first name. They actually picked Passport. Um, and I want to say that was in 2016 is when they started to kind of really extract it out and didn't get a lot of traction. And then they went with a model that was, I think they were just doing normal commercial sales kind of based on where they'd come from, right? With the content moderation software, there, there was no freemium offering. But then they decided to make it free. And it's not open source. It's actually a different license, but it is free to use for as many users as you want if you run it yourself. And again, because of their history, they it's a downloadable piece of software, but there's also a cloud offering. So they have, you know, some people and many of our clients actually run it on-prem or in their private cloud and need that and want that control while still offloading some of the worries about authentication and uh, such functionality. Other people use our cloud offering. And actually, I've had more than one customer say to me, like, we chose you because we could move between those two, right? So if you're starting out as a, as a uh, small company, you may not have a DevOps team. You may say, oh, we want to do it in the cloud, but um, we want in the future the ability to bring it in-house so that we can control costs and also have more uh, assurances about compliance and security and things like that. Yeah, that's really cool. 
Um, and I guess like the whole like starting story probably informs everything today. And one of the things that you mentioned before is that you don't have a Slack channel for your community. So we do have a Slack channel. Um, oh, sorry. We, we talked, <laughs> no, no, we just don't emphasize it. So, so here's the thing, like this was two years ago ish when I was on board and we were starting to actually see some real uptake um, with our community. And we were faced with the decision of, do we support Slack? Do we support uh, uh, something that is an online solution such as a forum or both? And as a small, smaller bootstrap company, we're about 25, 30 people now. So we're not that small, but we really had a choice to make. And I pushed hard for, and because I was essentially owning it, I, I won of going with a forum. And we still have a Slack and it is community members helping community members, which is awesome. I will say it, it's not super active. Uh, the forum is where the staff checks in. And we made this kind of calculated choice of Slacks are really, really Slacks and, and Discords, you know, they're all kind of bunched together, right? Synchronous communication versus asynchronous communication. Synchronous communication is really awesome for people getting an answer right away, for people like starting to feel like allegiances, um, and uh, for um, uh, basically people who are kind of running into issues, getting help as they need it. Uh, the problem with that is that it's a really a write-only medium, especially a free community Slack. And we tried to help people on the Slack, and we'd see the same questions come up over and over again. And I know there are tools out there that will like, you know, pull things out of Slack and put them in more defined forms. But, you know, my argument was why not just do that at the beginning? And so we use a piece of software called NodeBB, which is a forum software. And we have thousands of posts there. And I regularly get clients and users who reference things that I've written there two, you know, two or three years ago which is fantastic because it means Google's finding it. And it also means that people are able to self-serve without us having to answer that question. Whereas in Slack, I 100% guarantee, uh, 70% of the time, it's, it works all the time. I mean, people would have to be there to answer those questions. Um, the other thing that is just a benefit for all your listeners is, you know, I will say it's on the order of 10% of our traffic is absolute traffic is coming to the forum pages. So, and some of that is garbage traffic. Like we have a really popular post about using tar, you know, the, the tool to extract archives. Um, and we've dealt with some spam stuff, but a large chunk of it is people who are finding us long tail keywords. Um, people who are using fusion Health are trying it out and just Googling for the answer because, and this is something that, um, Taylor Barnett, I worked with her a couple of years ago. She said, uh, that I'm maybe paraphrasing her, but she said that Google is essentially the UX for developers for documentation. Like you can build all the nice browsing and all the nice um, search engines and stuff inside your documentation, but most people are going to just use Google. So, yeah, that, I mean, that's all I use. <laughs> and like even like Stack Overflow and stuff, no one really ever searches on Stack Overflow. <laughs> Totally. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so, and it always feels like it's kind of at least a step ahead as well. Like it's like the docs, you know, it's really hard to keep them up to date, but at least if you can find an answer on the forum until 
the docs catch up? Yeah, we actually have um, an internal, like in our inter- own internal Slack, because I think Slack is fantastic for internal communications. Um, we actually have a channel called Post a Forum later where I try to capture support tickets, um, things that we've interacted with customers because we have separate support channels for people that are paying us money and move them to the forum. And the thing I love about a forum post is it, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have that same heavy weight of being a thousand percent true for all time that documentation does, right? Like if I post a forum and it's like, I post it now today, when someone finds that two years from now, they don't have the same expectation of being correct and it doesn't enrage them the same way that it would if they found documentation that was out of date, which I think all users should be enraged when documentation is out of date. I am uh, when I'm like, I just spent time. I wasted my precious time, like following this documentation is out of date. Um, but a forum post, I think there's a little more um, r- relaxed nature of it, an expectation that it, it may or may not be applicable to the current day. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And there's also like that kind of personalization of it to that, to someone's problem. Like, you know, you can see, Oh, some, someone replies with, okay, here's how you do it. And they're like, Oh, by the way, this is how I ended up using the answer that your team gave me to, to make it work for my specific case. And it's like GitHub issues has like just quietly become such a huge part of developers. And I feel, I feel like the forum is probably a very similar. I was, I was fishing through a GitHub issue last night, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that's just part of, especially if it's an open source project or an, a, a project that's in the open, that just becomes part of your developer workflow is, you know, maybe you're using Google to surface the GitHub issue, but you definitely are looking through that. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. So that's your spicy take ticked off that we should get people onto. Don't use a, don't use Slack, use a forum. Yep. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Um, and could you tell us a bit about like your experimentation? I know it's something that you're quite passionate about. Sure. So, I mean, obviously the Slack versus forum thing was an experiment with, which I feel like has been successful. Uh, we've had some failed experiments too. We have a global user base and uh, we had the idea of trying to get them together because I think one of the issues with DevRel Actually, let me take a step back. I think that when you're a dev tool practitioner, you can think about community in one of two ways. Either you're a Google type of community where people come to find an answer and then just want to get the heck out of there, or you're a Facebook type of community where people want to hang out and get to know each other. And and um, I feel like everybody seems to want to be that second kind, right? They want people to hang out and like love their product. We talked about this previous to the call, like auth is to some extent a boring solved problem or it's, and we can discuss about like what parts of it are broken, but like there's a big chunk of it that is a standard that a lot of people implement that, you know, people know about. And there's a ton of open source, closed source, commercial free offerings that can help people with auth. So from my perspective, we are much more likely to be a Google type. Uh, Fusion Auth is, and I think most dev tools that aren't shiny and new and like are pushing boundaries of um, technical experience. I'm not saying that Fusion Auth isn't doing that in some ways. I think we are, but um, we're certainly not. I don't think anyone would say we're as sexy as like um, a Dora measurement tool or um, somebody who's 
you know, I, I heard about a startup that was doing intent-based authorization against Kubernetes clusters where you ask your developer, you know, you basically see what the developers want to do and then you grant access just based on that, you know. Um, so those things are sexier and I think those are more likely to get like a, a, a Facebook type of interaction. So with that said, we were still trying to decide whether we were going to be a Facebook or, or a Google type of interaction. So we tried to do a um, synchronous meetup. And so we found a tool and we actually scheduled a couple of different times because, as I mentioned earlier, we were a worldwide audience. So we had people in Europe, we have people in Australia, we have people in Asia, we have people in North America and LATAM um, who are all using our software. And we want to get them together so they could foster community, right? Talk to each other. And we did that. And I, we, we posted a bunch of places. Um, we sent out in our newsletter, I think. We, um, we, uh, I did some you know, person-to-person outreach, kind of like retail instead of um, wholesale. And we ended up getting two people to show up. Um, actually, four people, but two of those were Fusion team members. And it was, oh, it was just a tremendous amount of effort for not much, you know, it was nice to talk to them face-to-face, but it was not going to achieve anything that we wanted to achieve in terms of helping to promulgate that community feel. Yeah, it, to- it totally makes sense. It's like... Uh... Um, one of our guests recently was doing like a geo um, API and it's like he was saying something very similar that, um, you know, it's like you, you you need it when you need it and then it's just a background thing and it's there and it does the job, but you don't, it's not part of your identity. It's not totally. yeah. That's a good way to put it is, are developers going to be like, if you're a React developer or a Svelte developer or, you know, Ruby on Rails, I'm, I'm big in the Ruby on Rails community. I'm not big in there, sorry. I'm big into it. I, I help support a local meetup and I like Ruby on Rails. Like I say that's part of my identity. Auth, GOIP, um, other sets of tooling, people, it's not part of their identity. It is a tool they use. So that's a good way to put it. Yeah, that's already, no, I like, I like it as well. Okay. So that was like maybe one of the experiments that didn't go as well, but, um, love to hear a bit about some of the experiments that, that did go well. Yeah. So one that I think has been really useful for me and I think helpful for the company and helpful for our users is what I call community stories. And so I think one of the hard things when you have a freemium model, um, especially since people can use our software anonymously, right? They can download it from Docker or get a Debian file and run it themselves. And we never hear about them, um, except for if they file a GitHub issue or a forum post or whatnot. Obviously, at that point, you can start to engage. But is um, finding out how people are using the software and like what are their pain points and what are the what are the wins the software provides and pain points you obviously can sometimes get from those other areas, right? People will complain to you, but like hearing how the software went awesome or solved these great problems is a harder thing. And so what I started to do is anytime I saw someone post on GitHub, uh, Twitter, um, in the forum, I would reach out to them and say, not maybe not anytime that's too strong, but like at regular intervals, especially if someone seemed engaged, like they didn't just post once on the forum, they posted multiple times or they posted multiple issues. I'd reach out to them and say, hey, do you want to do a community profile? Um, and I'd say, this is what it looks like. It's eight to 10 emailed questions with one round of follow-up. And I turn it into a blog post. We get you, we give you a link back to your um, app or site or whatever you're building. And 
we've gotten about 20 or 30 of those on our blog now. And it's just been super helpful for me to make, to, to get to know the community better and get to know the kind of problems they're solving. I think it's actually helpful for SEO because it's long tail keywords. And then finally, I think it's really actually been helpful for our sales organization because, you know, proof is proof of something that we <laughs> that a customer said a year ago, oh, they do this really well is way better than, um, something that, you know, a salesperson might say to a, a prospect right now. Yeah. So such a good point. I, I used to work in sales a long time ago and, um, it was like, there's so, if, if it's not like, there's so much pushback about like, oh, this one, this is interesting, but it's not relevant because they're big and I'm, I'm small or they're not in retail. They all want to know, like, everyone wants to know, like, is there an example that's like same industry, same size as me? Totally. And community stories are can be part of that. Like they're not going to be that whole solution, but like um, I think as far as like helping the community to know each other, it's a, a step forward and it definitely helps help me and my team understand our community better. Yeah, that's really really awesome. So great idea. Um, yeah, and one of the other I guess experiments I saw that you had been on screaming into the cloud, which is a massive podcast. And it was really helpful for me to listen to you before speaking with you. So I wondered if you could tell us about how your experience was. Yeah, it was super fun. And I will say, you know, I'm always kind of upfront about this. Like Corey has two kinds of guests. Well, and everyone's interesting and Corey's a great guy. He's very kind, um, but his he has people that are that pay to be on his podcast and people that are that he selects. And I was definitely in that first category. So the company paid for us to talk about authentication. I had a great time. I think Corey's a great interviewer. Um, you know, one thing that I thought was really helpful from a, just kind of a generic dev tools perspective is I actually ended up saying some complimentary stuff about Cognito on the podcast. And at the end he was like, do you want to cut anything? And, and I said, mm, what about that Cognito stuff? You know, should I be seen, seen saying that? And he said, 100% we want to keep that in because it, it helps your credibility and it helps you. Um, and it's, and it's true, right? Don't cut, don't, don't say it if it's not true, but like it's helpful to be, um, you know, maybe, maybe a good way to put it is if all you are is rah, rah, rah for your company and you say we're the right fit for every problem and there's no product as good as us for every single dev in the entire world, people are going to like roll their eyes and move on. Right. So actually complimenting someone, a competitor who does something well is a good thing to do as a, as a Debra in my mind, because it shows that you're aware of the market. It shows that you're not a hole. It shows that you're not, um, you know, that you, you don't believe that the right product is, is true for, is good for everything. And I'll be the first person to say like, there are people for whom fusion auth is not the right product. Um, you know, and I think there's a wide swath of people that it is good for, but there are definitely people that it is not. And so I think keeping that honest truth and the integrity of, Oh yeah, yeah. This competitor is AWS Cognito, for example, is way better if you're totally in the AWS ecosystem and you need to like, manage IM roles and have them coordinate with users, right? Or access to S3 buckets, you know, Cognito's native. 
it's going to be better at that than, than FusionAuth or Auth0 or Clerk or any of the other solutions. Um, saying that is not an admission of weakness. Um, anyway, uh, I'm going on and on about that. It was a great experience. Corey is a great interviewer. And um, if you ever get the chance, highly recommend. Yeah, that's really cool. One of um, I, one of the things that Corey mentioned was that you were always like replying to his emails um, and that like you send him loads of links and stuff. And it sounded like, you know, it's like a kind of seems like a good idea for many reasons, but to like kind of have relationships with these kind of big platforms before you go and say like, hey, let's sponsor as well. So I would actually take a step back and I would challenge any one of your listeners to actually go to an email list that you subscribe to because I know you all do. <laughs> and when you find something that resonates with you, right, they, they, there was a great link in there or someone wrote a great article, reply and say thank you. And all you have to do is say thanks, that article was great. And I guarantee you, you'll be in the 1% of people who actually um, do that because I, I actually have a, a small email list I run for a different project and it sends out emails every uh, couple of weeks. And I guarantee you that I can think of probably there have been 10 people of thousands of emails I've sent who've actually replied. And so if you reply, you are, and that's true whether it's Corey or it's me, right? Like, and Corey has thousands of people on his list or tens of thousands, and I have hundreds. But either one, we're going to appreciate that because when you're writing a newsletter, similar, I probably, this is true with podcasts too, Jack. I mean, I enter your perspective, 100%. but like you're streaming into the, in the void, right? Like you don't know what resonates with people and just hearing, oh man, that article was great. It get it puts fire in your belly. It gets you excited. Um, and the, the separate thing about like the links and stuff, I think it's always good to like share stuff around. And by the way, the links I'm pitching to Corey or I'm sending to Corey, I think probably a very few of them are things that I benefit from. They're just stuff that I run across. And as DevRels, we have this extremely awesome opportunity. Like our job is to be out in the community, finding interesting things, looking at stuff like Reddit or Slacks or Hacker News or what, what have you. Um, when you run across something that you think would be interesting to someone like Corey or, or someone like Chris Short, who runs a dev, DevOps-ish or interesting to you, um, send it to them. And it's not hard. You know, you don't have to expect any kind of response, but like, I guarantee you that that's kind of low effort relationship building that, that one feels good because you're helping the person that the, wrote the link, the, the article, the other end of the link too. Um, and it costs you almost nothing. And um, I'm just a huge fan of doing that. Yeah, it's such a really, really good point. I, I love the way that you put it. Um, I kind of framed it as very like kind of <laughs> transactional thing, but actually it's much more about like being in the communities that you like, you know, obviously I hope that whatever we're working on DevTools wise, we we like that community, we like that technology and kind of engaging with the big people and then, you know, also learning like the ones that you care about, probably other people care about. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's like, it's really cool. Uh, it, and I know we're coming up on time, but I mean, it's, uh, it's the same reason that I post stuff on Hacker News, right? Like I, and again, I post some of my stuff, my own personal stuff and, and my company stuff on Hacker News because I want the traffic and whatnot. But like, there, I could count like at least three or four times when I have posted someone else's stuff, link on Hacker News, and it goes 
to the front page and they're like astonished and, and super thankful. And, and it was how much effort was it for me? It was very low effort for me. Um, and if the hacker news doesn't float your boat, which I understand doesn't float everybody's boat, there's other communities out there where you can share knowledge about interesting things and help both sides, right? The people who read it and the people who wrote it, um, at low cost to you. So. Yeah. Really, really good point. Yeah. Really good point, Dan. Um, yeah, Dan, I wondered if there's any key takeaways that you have from this discussion. Yeah. I mean, I guess I think that, um, the two I would say is decide as a dev tool practitioner, whether the company you're working for is going to be part of a dev's identity or is it going to be just a tool they use that they come by and they want, you know, all the things that they want, right? Excellent documentation, easy to use, et cetera, but they're going to use it and then hopefully forget about it for a while until they move on to the next project or the next company. I think that's a crucial discussion to have in the dev world context. And then the other thing is, um, you know, give those, give, right? And giving your time and energy and your reputation to share links with other people is a, is a very easy way to give that has dividends and has paid dividends for me. Amazing. And where can people learn more about Fusion Auth and about yourself, Dan? Sure. So you can find me on Twitter, uh, if you're on Twitter still, at MoreDS. M-O-O-R-E-D-S. I'm also on Mastodon, but the easiest way to find me on Mastodon is to go to my Twitter profile because it's linked there. And then if you want to uh, come, come to Fusion Auth, as I mentioned, we have a, a free edition, a free plan that you can download and run. And we've had people run millions of users on this plan without paying us a cent. That's at fusionauth.io slash download. Obviously, there's docs and other uh, great stuff there too. Amazing. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining, Dan, and thanks everyone for listening. Thank you, Jack. It was uh, that was fun. Awesome.